Welcome to Sisters Inc., our podcast for and about women business owners, brought to you by Black Enterprise. I'm your host, Elisa Gump. Black women are the fastest growing group of entrepreneurs in America. And on every episode of Sisters Inc., we'll sit down with one successful CEO and share how she slays the challenges of being a Black woman in business. Today's episode is all about rebranding your business. We're chatting with Leslie Riley, the founder and CEO of Mama's Biscuits, a gourmet biscuit company whose sweet and savory creations are sold at stores nationwide. Welcome to Sisters Inc., Leslie, and thanks so much for sitting down with us. Sure. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Before we get into the business, let's talk about your background. Where did your love for cooking and baking start? That, I mean, it started when I was probably, I want to say about third grade. Um, I had an assignment to do and my mom took me to the library and we found a um, a book that had recipes in it. And um, I made this dip for <laughs> some kind of thing we had in, in school and everybody loved it. And so then after that, I mean, I just started making the same dip. It, it, it was just very basic. I want to say it was just like mayo and um, ketchup and then some other stuff in it. But it was it was really good and everybody liked it. Everybody requested it. And I remember being, you know, young when I did it. And so, um, and then both of my grandparents, I mean, of course, you know, we, we all have that um, history and that story of our grandparents. But um, one of my grandparents lived in the country. And, you know, they had pigs, chickens, cows. I mean, they lived basically on a farm. And then my other grandmother lived in the city, but she had a fresh garden. So I got it from both of them. Um, I was able to, uh, you know, get get lessons and tools and tricks from both of them. So that's kind of where it started. And what was your professional journey before you started Mama's Biscuits? Because you have like a long history with the food industry. <laughs> I do. I do. I am a former restaurateur. So I that that's my backstory. Uh, I owned a, a very upscale restaurant back in the 2000s. I mean, I created it, um, you know, just looking back, like, like I even look through the, at the menu to this day and I'm like, wow, you know, some of this stuff is not even out there. And I'm, I'm actually surprised. So I did it like 20 years ago, 20, almost 30 years ago. And, you know, even some of the stuff that I created is still not out there yet. So I was like, hmm, maybe I should bring it back. But, but um, yeah, that, that's kind of where it started. Uh, I, I, in high school and my teenage years, I worked at a restaurant. Um, when I came home from college, um, during spring break, all my friends went, you know, different areas in spring break and I came home and worked. <laughs> so, so I, it was just, yeah, like I was, um, you know, I, I worked at the restaurant. I was a manager there. So uh, summer breaks, I came home, I worked at the restaurant. So I, I kind of always been in that industry and just had a, a love for that. The restaurant that's the, in- um, you know, the behind the scenes, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yes. The restaurant industry is one where I think um, entrepreneurs tend to pick up a lot of lessons. Like what what would you say you learned about being an entrepreneur um, as a former restaurateur? Ooh. so at the time I was married. So I, I remember like the work ethic it was just unbelievable. I remember um, 
you know, one time, like, uh, my ex-husband came in with, with the kids and, um, somebody said, oh, or, oh no, I had him at the time. And somebody said, oh, you're babysitting. I was like, no, because I was always there. I was always at the restaurant. So it was, it was just, um, it, it, that was a constant grind. Um, you know, just trying to make sure that, um, you know, people were serviced because it was an upscale restaurant. We had, you know, a full service restaurant that seated 200 people. And then we also had the, um, there was another side to it where I, um, designed like, and had all the entertainment and I had live jazz while you dined in on Sundays, we had live gospel. And so there was like almost, um, there was, we were able to serve wine and beer in that area. So we had, um, we had like live on the other side. So it was, it was nice. I mean, I was, I was able to uh, create, it was, it was just such a creative time for me. And I think that's what I loved about it. And where did the inspiration come from for you to focus on biscuits? Um, so back in 2013, well, 2014, I, uh, I was always cooking. I was always cooking. And so like I would have get togethers at my house all the time. So the get togethers were friends and family would always come. I cook big meals. I would tell them, look, they were like, what can we bring? I was like, nothing, just come. Like, don't bring anything. I, I always got so upset when people brought stuff. I'm like, because, <laughs> you know, I, I just wanted them to come and enjoy themselves, you know. So I didn't want them to have to fuss with anything. Just come, enjoy yourself, eat, and have a good time. So I had events at my house all the time. Like, I cooked, like, large meals, whether it was on the grill or whatever. And then um, everybody was encouraging me. We were over at a friend's house with neighbors, and everybody was encouraging me to go on uh, Master Chef. And I was like, oh, no, 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 you know, I'm not going to do that. And um, finally I did. And you know, I went to New York, made it through a couple rounds, and then I, I was cut. <laughs> and I was, I was like, oh, my goodness. But at the time I had had some social media up and um, we, they were kind of cheering me along the way. We kind of did some real time stuff. Back then they didn't have like live, but we, I had somebody just constantly updating the social media. So they were cheering me along the way. And even when I didn't make it, uh, they were like, oh, you know, it's okay. It's okay. So I kind of wanted to keep that going. And originally back in 2014, I dipped and dabbed in butters. So I had like gourmet compound butters. That's what, and then I was like, well, I need to put something this butter on stuff and so um I had a love for biscuits and I was just like I saw that there wasn't anything really good or clean on the market it's like let me just go ahead and you know pull out grandma's recipe book um <laughs> anyway I missed a step and <laughs> we were doing a photo shoot and the, and the biscuits came out like little hockey pucks but <laughs> I was like I know how to make biscuits because restaurant we used to make sweet potato biscuits so I always knew how to make them but I was I was like I was just tr trying grandma's recipe and um so yeah there's a picture out there on the internet you'll see me I'm pulling out like biscuits out of the oven and they're not mine they're national brands <laughs> so but you know we we played around with that and then sorry then when we um I was able to um you know just start creating different flavors um friend of mine planted like hey why don't you do some flavors and I was like you know what there's not a whole I did start doing research and realized there wasn't a whole lot of 
flavors on the market. So I said, let me start creating them. And I told my coworkers at the time, I said, I'm going to do 50 different flavors before the end of the year. And that was in October. And so imagine all, yeah. So, so by December I had over 50 different flavors. So, and, um, that following year, 2015, I put up a website and said, I'm going to be the Sherry Berries of Biscuits and start shipping them all over the country. Yes. So as you mentioned, (laughs) you perfected your biscuit recipe in 2014. You launched your online store in 2015. And then in 2019, you decided to rebrand the business. How did you come to the conclusion that you were in need of a rebrand? So 2019, um, I was meeting with some buyers and some buyers were giving me suggestions and like the way I had my old packaging and stuff like that. And I, I realized it was hard to kind of get the biscuits out of the pans and stuff like that. And at the time we were, the business kind of it plummeted a little bit. Like I wasn't in stores and it just, I mean, there was just a lot going on. So I said, you know what, I'm going to take this time and I'm going to rebrand the company. And that's when we put the biscuits in pouches. And I mean, it just took off. It was just completely different. We we um, rebranded. We didn't rebrand the logo. We just rebranded the design and uh, of the of the packaging. And it was a major, major uh, milestone for us. And it just took off. We we took it within two years. We took it to like a multi million dollar company. Wow. Um, as you were getting that feedback from buyers and thinking about what the experience was like for your customers, how did you go about mm-hmm. making the new decisions for the brand? Did you enlist professional help? Did you try out a few different things? I did. Um, I had, so, you know, I don't like to call like the people on my social media, like my followers or fans or anything like that. You know, I always call them my community, my tribe. We actually call them the vibe tribe and the vibe tribe is, so vibe is very important biscuit eaters. (laughs) So we call them the vibe tribe. (laughs) So we call them the vibe tribe. And so I reached out to them, like I was good at uh, marketing. And so I just said, let's, um, you know, I remember talking to my team and I had a team, I had an advisory team around that time that helped a lot as well. And I said to them, I said, Hey, let's, um, let's reach out to, you know, our community on social media. And we did, and they gave us some really good feedback. Um, you know, they, it was hard to get them out the pans. Um, you know, they, they, I mean, it was just great feedback. And then we took that and um, I was able, and then taking some of the buyer's feedback. And then I was able to just kind of um, take it to my graphic designer and said, hey, let's do it like this. And, and we did. Um, as part of the brand, you also, the rebrand, you also rewrote your brand story. Now you've got some great elements to your story. You've had a passion for cooking and baking since you were young, you said. You had grandma's biscuit recipe, which I believe mm-hmm. was like, over a hundred years old, right? Um, that recipe important... is old. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's amazing. Um, how important has storytelling been for your business? It's been very important. I think that's what captured like my community because it's it's it was 
they were able to stand behind it. They were able to trust the brand. And I think that's where, you know, this wasn't just something that just popped up. I think it was years of just gaining um, that community that followed me and was able to trust me. And I think that was the success behind the brand because people, you know, they waited for years until they came on the market. Some people didn't want to pay the price, you know, to have them shipped and stuff like that. And I get it. But as soon as they came out on the market, I mean, they were supporting like, you know, like left and right. So I think it's very important that, um, you know, I kept telling the story. And of course, my story, you know, I rewrote the story. It changed as we went along. But I think the consistency and the transparency of what they heard from me, um, you know, they heard, they didn't just hear my successes, like they heard my failures as well. So, um, you know, and I think that's where you gain that trust. I think it's about gaining trust and, um, you know, just having that brand that they trust and they can stand behind. And I think that was a lot of um, the, the success behind the brand. When I think about crafting your story, um, as you said, you rewrote it. So many times I come across entrepreneurs who have a great story, but I can tell that they are not yet great at telling that story. They're not used right. to telling that story. Um, you know, how did you become good at telling your story? Well, when, when it's your story, it just comes natural. So I think a lot of times brands create stories. <laughs> you know, they add on and, and then they get twisted up in their stories. <laughs> so, so when it's your story and you lived it, <laughs> it's easier to tell it. But when, you know, you're saying, Hey, you know, this may attract, um, you know, the customers or this may attract the customers. I see it a lot. I see it a lot. And I'm like, and my backstory is I used to be a, an investigator. I used to be a national security background investigator for the government. So, um, you know, I'm trained to listen to things. <laughs> and so sometimes I'll say, well, that doesn't add up, you know? So, so I know that they're not always being truthful with that story. <laughs> so I think, yes, if, if you live the story, it's easy to tell. <laughs> As you mentioned, the business really took off after the rebrand. It generated a lot of attention from national retailers. Mm -hmm. You're now sold at Walmart, Target, Trader Joe's, Publix, Kroger, Wegmans, and more. Yes. Uh, which is so impressive. Thank you. Aside from the fact that the biscuits are delicious, what do you think it is about your brand that has attracted retailers? Again, um, I think, it's our innovation. We were able to take um, a simple biscuit. And I always say, you know, God gave me something as simple as a biscuit, but we were able to take a simple biscuit and turn it into something major. There wasn't anything on the market. I mean, we had, you know, excuse me, our national brands. And then we had, um, you know, everybody knows our Cheddar Bay biscuit, but that was pretty much that was on the market. So when I was able to come and say, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to put this one on the market. I'm going to put that one on the market. The, um, it was the innovation behind it. I remember one of the buyers telling me, um, we're seeing, because I'm in that set in the frozen, um, uh, aisle, they're seeing 
people that they've never seen come to that area before. And they were coming to get the biscuit. So that was that was good. So so let me tell you, buyers, um, they have data that we just don't have. So they were able to see and they could see that these people were coming back as repeat buyers. So um I think that's what it was. It was the innovation behind what we what we were able and what we were able to bring to the market. It it wasn't easy. Uh, you know, there was challenges with, with innovation. There's always challenges with innovation, but, um, but we nailed it. <laughs> Having successfully rebranded your business, what advice would you give to other uh, aspiring small business owners out there about um, how to craft their brand when they're first starting out? I would just, you know, share with them, you know, just be patient. A lot of times people look for that 15 minutes of fame. You know, everybody wants to be Instagram famous, TikTok famous, whatever, you know. Um, I would just tell them, you know, it's not about, um, it's not about the amount of people who follow you. It's not about that blue check mark. It's about being um, authentic and being authentic to your brand because those people will come. Eventually, those people will end up um, coming, and they'll 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 love the brand. Um, but just staying true and authentic, and grow slow. I don't think people realize that um, you know they see Mama Biscuit now, and they saw the rebrand. Some of them saw the rebrand in 2019, and most of the people who are following me now have seen the rebrand. So the ones who followed me from 2014, you know, they got to see me grow. And I grew slow. I didn't grow, you know, it wasn't a fast growth. And I think that's what I think a lot of these brands out there now are just looking for the new best and fast, like, you know, how I can, you know, just grow my brand quickly. And you will grow it quickly. You can, but you're not going to keep it. So grow slow. Mm. So that's great mm -hmm. advice. Um, and similarly, for companies that might be a little bit further along, a lot of times, you know, entrepreneurs start their companies because they have so much passion around them. And it's very difficult as they're growing for them to, you know, admit that something's not working or mm -hmm. that they need to pivot. So what advice would you give for um, small business owners about evolving their brand as they grow? I would tell them to put together that advisory board. It could be friends, family. I mean, they could even gain, um, you know, they could pull from their community online, one or two people and have that meeting and get that feedback. Um, get that feedback from people who are who have a different lens that are looking at it from, from a different angle. Because a lot of times as entrepreneurs, we're so close to it that we can't see what's going on. So unless we stop and take a step back, and that's what I did. Like I literally stopped. People didn't even know that biscuits weren't selling in 2019. They didn't know that. Um, I stopped, took a step back and looked at the whole picture. So I, that's what I would, that's the advice I would give them. Like just, um, you know, just pull in like an advisory team and then get that feedback. And when you get that feedback, don't take it to heart. Um, you know, don't, don't feel like it's a personal attack because those are the people, those are the consumers. Those are the people that are buying your product. Yeah. 
you mentor other entrepreneurs through the Mama's Biscuits Culinary Incubator at Hagerstown Community College. Um, so while we have you sharing advice, <laughs> I'm going to ask for a little bit more. What is the most common challenge you hear from startups in the food industry and what tips do you give them? It's capital. I, it's capital, 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 capital. It's always capital. It's always access to capital, gaining capital. It's money. <laughs> so I tell them, you know, there's so a lot of people work for me because I, you know, worked early hours, late hours. A lot of people don't have that time to do that. Um, you know, um, they have small children, they have this, and so they put they put their dreams sometimes on hold because they don't have the access to capital or life events take it take place. Um, I just I would still tell them, you know, just keep going, uh, but go slow. And if you go slow, you'll get you'll gain that access to capital. You know, like. Um, there's a young lady I'm mentoring now and they're going into quite a few stores and I'm saying, and it's, they're brand new. And I'm saying, it's okay to take a step back and reduce your stores. You know, it's okay to do that because you don't have the capital, you know, or you don't know what's going to pop up um, when you're in all these stores. So I, I'm trying to coach them through grow slow grow organically. Um, you know, I, that's, that's kind of what I would, would share, share with them. Like just, yeah, go slow. <laughs> and it's such a good point because, you know, everyone who has a product wants to be in stores. I mean, yes. Walmart is the biggest yes. store there is. They don't. It takes they a lot don't. of money. And I even remember asking, I was like, well, what are the payment and, and terms? Don't realize and they, she was like 90 days. And I was like, Oh my gosh. I was like, you know, you're going to be cash flow strapped. Like they don't look at certain things and I want them, you know, I want them to win, but, and I don't want them to make the same mistakes that I did when, so that was the cause of my business plummeting. So that's why I'm there to help them through this. I don't want them to make the same mistakes, you know, understanding the terminology, understanding what a coop is, understanding, you know, just different things. Like they, they, don't understand, you know, spoilage, this, that, the other, with chargebacks. I mean, those are huge. <laughs> so, you know, I want them to, to understand it all before they, you know, go out there on a larger level. If you grow small, do small stores locally, it gives you the opportunity to um, figure out how to deliver your product. Work with um, the, the buyer locally. Whether, even if it's the store owner, because, you know, they have a lot of smaller stores and, and the store owner is usually the buyer and, and they work with you. And, and that's where I want um, most of the people to start because it gives them the opportunity to learn the business and then they grow from there. Thank you so much, Leslie, for sharing your small business success story. Everyone out there, please take a look at the company website, mamabiscuit.com. And don't blame me if you feel compelled to order Thank something. You. I'm telling you right now, those biscuits look good. You can also follow them on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Mama's Biscuit or on Twitter at Mama's underscore Biscuit. 
Check out the podcast channel on blackenterprise.com to find Sisters Inc. and other podcasts from Black Enterprise editors, writers, and experts. Be sure to subscribe to Sisters Inc. on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or YouTube. And if you like what you hear, show us some love by leaving a five-star review or put a sister on by spreading the word. I'm Melissa Gums with Sisters Inc. for Black Enterprise. Thank you for listening.